Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Power Talk. And on this episode, uh, I've brought back Tom because we're going to talk about something that uh, I don't know. It's um, something. Well, it's something that is a little bit off the wall, uh, but it's something that does intrigue me, and uh, I've, I'm sure it intrigues Tom as well because uh, we've been talking about it a lot in the last sort of few days. So, without further ado, let me bring in Tom, and uh, we'll get this show going. Hi, Tom. Hello. Hello, how's it going? Yeah, no bad, thanks. Good, good, good. Glad good. to be back again. Good, yeah. you're always welcome, my friend. The door is always open. Yeah. Good. Uh, so, anyway, um, how's the, before I before we run along, how's things with you? How's your life going? Oh, it's pretty good. I'm, 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 I'm in the process of moving house at the minute, so things are a bit chaotic. It's, uh, I'm having to keep my house tidy for once in my life, you know, as yeah. people come around and look around it and... It's a bit it's, weird, uh, though, isn't it? When you when you yeah, sort of with people, strangers coming in and they're like looking around and kind of judging you. Do you yeah, feel like you're being judged? It. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't know, like my 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 office where I'm sitting now, I designed it almost like a room from the Resident Evil games. Okay, like a haunted mansion, but it's a little box room in a tiny suburban house. So you've got the nice house, and then you go into the office, and it's like. It's all like wood paneling and there's bookshelves, dark bookshelves, dark anaglypta wallpaper. It just looks like a, yeah, it looks like a haunted Victorian mansion room. You know, it was a good idea while it was my room, but now I'm showing people around the house. It's like, right, here's my room. And they're like, oh, it's very, very different. It's very dark in here. (laughs) (laughs) But people like, people do like it actually. So, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. Well, you jogged my memory because uh, a long, long time ago, way back in the mm-hmm. 1990s sometime, when I was a... A wee boy. A wee silly boy. But anyway, so uh, I um, I asked my parents because, you know, I just thought I had a job and I had some money and I wanted to do stuff and I wanted to decorate my room. And I said, look, I want to... I want to do my room, yeah. I want to. I want to make it mine, like it's my apartment. And they said, "Well, you can pay for all the paint and everything, but you know, you you don't go mental. Just keep it sensible, because we might sell the house one day." So I only went out and bought some white paint. It was fair enough. White is a nice color, and mm. I bought some black paint, and I made my bedroom checkered, so it was black and white. Oh, it was God. like it was like a chessboard. Uh, yeah, what, my the, parents would all the walls. Yeah, all the walls. They were all black and white. Oh my god! The black that, and white blocks would... all over the, all over the whole bedroom. It, it it was weird because you go in there and you'd like you know lose your balance. It was a bit weird. Yeah, I was gonna say, did you get a lot of migraines? It was like a 40, 40, four dimensional chessboard. Uh, it I didn't get cool. But it, it, yeah, I can imagine it being disorientating. Well, the thing was, I was a mod. You know, I was really mm. into my mod stuff, and uh, yeah, I had my scooter and all that, and I wanted to, I wanted that to reflect my, my who I was. You know, my bedroom was a, a part of me. That was an expression of my of my angry, rebellious youth. But uh, yeah. it didn't kind of work like that. It just looked, it looked a bit, it looked a bit shit, to be honest, because it was just like a load of. Because as I as I wanted to get it done, the squares got smaller and smaller, or bigger and bigger, just because I wanted mm. to get it done. And uh, the first two walls were great. And as I ran out of time, uh, they were getting smaller or bigger or not really square. And it kind of, you know, petered out into sort of a wall of kind of black and smeared white. Uh, and, and the thing was, it, it, you know, it, just one of them things. My, my parents weren't too happy. They said to me, if we ever come to sell this house, you're going to have to report wallpaper that room out of your pocket. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. No worries. I'll do it. Calm down. As you do when you were, you were a young man. Yeah. And, uh, so the the day came and um, they they were going to sell the house. They're like we're, we're selling up, we're, we're moving, we're, we're going to moving on. Okay, well you need to wallpaper that room. Okay, so I had to learn how to wallpaper. I did it. I wallpapered the room and I, it had to be done in like proper neutral colours and all that to so look nice. And I did quite a good job. I must admit it was quite good. Um, and and years and years and years and years later, right? Years late, yeah, later, my brother right was talking to someone it, it was out one night with his mates and they were chatting and uh the guy said yeah of course uh me and my missus we just bought ass and we've just just moving into ass 
And my brother's like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't know what, they're bleeding out. It's one room, right? We go to one room, we've got to decorate, peels the wallpaper off, bleeding rooms, black and white, like some sort of <laughs> Satanist room. <laughs> my brother's looking at this geezer going, right, that's uh, okay. And he didn't say anything, but he thought, that's my brother's bedroom. <laughs> Years later, they bought our old house. Weird, eh? So, yeah. yeah that's funny. Bit weird, bit small world, small world, you know. It's just a small world. Yeah. How, how you, you know, you're, you're just one step away, or oh, well, it's meant to be uh, six, six degrees of separation in it or something. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. but it's uh, there. You go. That's my, uh, that's my, my, my waffle story. People are going, really go, get on with the show. Just, we don't want to hear about you. <laughs> just get on with the show. Anyway, so we're going to talk about um, bothies, and uh, I suppose yeah. before we just start running off. Uh, and talking about boffies, we need to explain what boffies are. Have you got an explanation or do you want me to explain it? Well, as far as I know, at one time, they were just regular houses, weren't they? Yeah. Off in the, in, off in the wilderness, you know, like farmhouses yeah. or lodges for families and farmers to live in. But they generally, they're kind of out in the sticks, aren't they? They're out in quite desolate places. Like middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, are they, is it just Scotland in pretty Bothies, much? I mean, it, I mean, it, there are other places that you can where walkers would can stay, but yeah. primarily when you talk about boffies and old stone buildings, you get a lot of them in uh, in the, in the Highlands yeah. of Scotland and and the wilderness, the the places where mm. you know a boffie is a, a re remade so that walkers can have a place to stay. Yeah, get a bit of heat, get your head down, dry your clothes. Yeah. There's not normally any electricity in them. It's all like candlelight. There are a few out mm-hmm. there now that have got like the solar panels and stuff and the batteries, but normally it's just a, a clean open room where you, multiple people can stay. So if you're a walker and you're out for a wander and you go, oh, it's raining, I want to go and have my beans in, in the boffy, uh, you might go in there and there might be seven other people in there all doing their own thing. And it's all very sort yeah. of communal, but it's a safe place that you can go and just get your head down. And so you're not in the elements because obviously you know i mean you do a bit of walking i used when i was younger i used to do not a lot of walking but we used to go out but dad take us to places and uh you, you some of these places you go to it's like you walk around the corner and suddenly before you know it you're in the middle of nowhere and you're thinking oh yeah finally we can just we've got somewhere safe to go so they yeah. were kind of repurposed uh, but originally, yeah, like you were right, they were they were normally small huts or cottages that were built for wo- uh, land workers. Because in the in the mm-hmm. olden days, uh, farms and people used to work the land, and of course we don't have that anymore. I mean, it's all kind of gone. So uh, these places, if they haven't fallen down, they've been repurposed and yeah. been made anew. Yeah, there's like there's like some group that maintains them, isn't there? But they're generally yeah. just like abandoned, old abandoned houses, yeah, and buildings. That's right. They yeah. get like um, they they get like um grants and stuff to put a new roof on them. Because normally mm. with the, these stone built buildings, they're usually uh, dry stone, and what happens is as the years go by, the 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 roof collapses in, and of course there's no there's nothing holding it up, and then of course all the thing just you know falls in but they do build them back up and you'll notice a lot of these uh buildings uh, which is a bit weird but a lot of these buildings they'll have the main building which is all kind of sturdy and they'll have an out building which is connected to the main building which might be i don't know a place where they would keep animals or whatever in the olden days that's all collapsed and fallen down there's always one mm-hmm. outbuilding that's collapsed and fallen down but there's usually the main building is quite you know been made to look nice and stuff people used to eke a living on the land, on a hill, in the middle of nowhere. Just think about that as all those years ago. How desolate it is and how hard, and that's like hard work, getting up every day, like seven days a week to, I don't know, walk your sheep or whatever you do and feed your, your goats or whatever it is. And, you know, and, and that's hard work, you know, and they, and there's no one yeah. to help you. And you get fall ill, you fall sick. You're mostly going to perish, mm-hmm. aren't you? Or you're going to send a, someone five miles away across you know terrain to get help but anyway i'm, I'm going Sounds off nice. on a, it does it's quite quite <laughs> I, horrific, I really. love that quite horrific <laughs> um but anyway so we're going to talk about one of the one of these boffies in particular which is a uh, one in scotland in the highlands of scotland uh, louis belt uh well it was a lodge it was a lodge and then it became a boffy then it kind of fell apart but originally this lodge was a hunting lodge 
and it was built in the olden days for people who were deer hunters so they would stay there and chill and have a glass of sherry or whatever and uh they would then they would go out in the daytime when they'd had their breakfast and chase deer i suppose uh so that's what his original purpose was but as the years went by that kind of went out of fashion a bit and um it was re you know remade into a like a walker's lodge now this is where we kind of pick up our story is what when was it what 1974 wasn't it 1974 I've got my notes here. Yeah, Christmas 1974. And this is around two people, Phil McNeil and Jimmy Dunn. Now, they, at this time, before this, they didn't really know each other, okay? It wasn't until Phil's family moved to Scotland from England in just before this time, a bit earlier, that uh, Phil met Jimmy Dunn. And he met Jimmy Dunn through a walking club that he joined in I believe it was Glasgow, I think. He he joined like a walking club and he got really got into it. Got every weekend they would go out walking and because obviously being in Scotland there's lots of wilderness places to go and explore and, and all that stuff. And so yeah. you know, they would go out and do their thing and, and go walking. It it was a little bit later on that Phil uh moved out and got his own place and decided, you know, he he'd had enough of being at home and he'd moved out and they decided that they were gonna do a walk. I'm going to skip ahead to the point where they decide to go on a a, a, a walk for a few days, uh, and this on the into the highlands of Scotland. So they meet up, they get a train to their first point of where they want to be. They stay over there for one night. And they decided the next day, day two, that they're going to go to uh, the lodge, the the Bothy. It's well, it's a, it's still a lodge. It's a, it's a house. But it's more of a kind of half house, half boffy now. They go there and they got there in the morning. I think it was early morning they arrived. They walked from the the train station to the boffy, which was you know, a few miles walk. And uh, there was no one there, was there? It was kind of, it was all locked, wasn't it? From what I remember, they kind of gain access to it through a window. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, what happened was, they got to the thinking that there was going to be people people there because they'd been told, oh, some uh, you know some hippies now live there, and yeah. uh, that they open the doors to walkers, and you can stay there and like sleep on the floor, uh, and you know, and then you can make your trek because this place, this boffy, was below uh, Ben Nevis, and a lot of walkers would stay there and then go and do their hike to yeah. the higher points. But when they arrived, they arrived in the morning time. And remember, this is like Christmas time, just after Christmas, uh, about two weeks after Christmas in 1974. And there was a lot of snow. There was a loads and loads of snow around. So it was it was quite quite an arduous trek to get there. And they, they arrived. And what happened was they looked in the window and they could see that there was furniture in there. There was dishes that had been washed up on the drain board. One of the weird things was they could see that the table was set, ready to sit down and eat a Christmas dinner, which is a bit weird anyway, because Christmas had gone and passed. It was two weeks ago. So they decided that because they couldn't gain entry, they wasn't going to kick a door in or anything like that. They decided that they would put their, you know, their large bags in a, a one of the outdoor cubby holes and hide them away and go for their walk for the day up the hill to the mountain. And they would come back later thinking that, well, you know, maybe the people are just out going out for, to the shops or whatever, and they'll be back. But they thought it was a bit weird because this place is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they went off and did their walk. And then they came back about, I think it was about nine o'clock at night. So it was dark. And obviously, remember, the snow is everywhere. And they noticed that the, the building was still in darkness. So they're yeah. thinking, shit, you know, what are we going to do? So they decided to look around the building. And this is the point where you just picked up on. They found a, a, a window area that was had previously, they didn't break it. It previously been broken and it was covered up with like a cover, which, which had come away from obviously f from moisture and stuff. So they thought, well, we're going to let ourselves in because it's, you know, it's communal and we need to get out of this weather. We're going to just bed down in a little area. We're not going to touch anything. We're just going to chill, have our food, and then we're going to, in the morning, we'll pack up. And hopefully by then, somebody might have arrived. We'll explain that we just, we needed somewhere to stay, and then we'll just go. 
because what they were worried about was a bit weird. It's like you or I coming home and finding a couple of campers in your front room, you know, chilling. Yeah. And yeah. They, they weren't sure, you see, but they wanted to get out of the weather. And they're having their, well, I don't know, sausage and beans or whatever they're having. I think it was about midnight. And they decided, well, first of all, what they did, they obviously they explored the building because they wanted to find out. Yeah, they checked, they checked the house to make sure no one was there. And it was definitely completely empty. But all the rooms had stuff in them apart from one room. And that one room was a room directly above the front room, the lounge, which they were in, which was, mm. and it, which was a smaller room. And all that had in it were three things. It had an old iron bed, which was dismantled and up against the wall. It had a large rock stone like thing ornament that was in the windowsill. It had olive green curtains which were drawn back open. And they just thought, you know, spare room, whatever, but we're going to stay downstairs. So they come back downstairs, down the stairs, back into the front room. They have their food, sort themselves out, put their sleeping bags out and their mats, their sleeping mats. And they, I think it's about midnight they decided to have have a sleep they blew the candles out and he said after they blew the candles out they started to hear noises from upstairs in the room directly above where they were situated which would have been the spare Mm. room now what they first well what phil describes first of all is somebody wearing uh, heavy boots walking around like pacing, walking around like they're looking for something. I think it's, it feels like the sound of the bed's moving, is it? The bed, parts of the bed. Yeah, it feels like the metal frame of the bed has been moved around. Yeah. So mm. they hear that. And uh, then they hear the, what was the, they believe was the stone on the floor being rolled around, mm. which is bizarre. I mean, by that time, I would have been packing up saying, I'm, I'm off, this is just wacky. It's like, from what I gather, it's, it's five miles or more, eight miles maybe, and over like over wilderness in the middle of the night in the snow. Yep, they're completely trapped in that house at that point. So there's there's nowhere for them to really go. If, even if they wanted to pack up and get out of there, that, it, that's it. They're there for the night, whether they want to be or not. They basically led on the floor, pretty terrified until one a.m. Mm. when they decided, look, you know, we don't know what's going on up there, but it's not here. It's up there. So. It sounds like someone walking around looking for stuff. We're going to go to sleep. They go to sleep. 4 a.m. They're woken up by absolute chaos. By this time, the noise isn't upstairs. It's in the same room that they're in. They're in pitch black. They got no light. Their candles are blown out. And everything is just going crazy in the room. Their bags are being thrown around, which Mm -hmm. is quite scary because their bags have claw hammers in them and stuff like that. They're all, yeah. everything's going everywhere. Phil grabs one of the candles and tries to light it because he wants to see what's going on. He's frantically trying to light the candle. And as he's lighting the candle in the darkness, something either kicks or punches the candle out of his hand across the room. He's then trying to light another candle, which he gets lit. And they can see in the corner of the room, there's a bookcase. And this is quite yeah. creepy. They can see the books being juddered off of the shelf one by one. And there's three rows of books all coming off the shelves, which is completely bizarre. They can hear footsteps coming to the door, down the stairs to the door. Uh, They panic. Phil grabs one of his claw hammers and I suppose naturally runs to the door and opens it trying to defend himself, not thinking it's there under attack. And everything stops. Complete silence. No footsteps, nothing. Everything stops. They're both there in complete silence after all this chaos and stuff has been going on. And they're like thinking, what the... What's going on? I think from that point on, the noise of the the footsteps, and they close the door, they hear the footsteps go back upstairs, and then they're moving around in the room upstairs again. And I think at this point, they decide that, you know, we we don't want to be here anymore. They're completely unnerved. And they decided that there was a window near them that they could unlatch and get out the window and make their escape and, and leave, basically. And that's what they decided to do. As they left the bothy, 
with all this weirdness going on, they glance back at the window where this room, this upper room was, where all the, the, the you know, all the, the noise was coming from, thinking there must be a person looking out at us or, or there must be someone there. And it was it was difficult to see, obviously, because they're in the dark. They've only got their head torches outside. And they look up. And one of the most eerie things for me when I was reading this story, one of the most eerie things is seeing those curtains that were there open when he first walked around that building were now closed. So up to this point, have you got any thoughts of what they might have been experiencing? I don't know. It just it sounds like classic poltergeist activity to me, but it's what it sounds like. Things being thrown around, noises and footsteps and some or some kind of demonic presence in the house. Especially if they've got like one one room that's been completely abandoned and there was there was weird hippies living there before. Maybe they were up to some something weird in the house and they brought or something in that they didn't want to be there. Do you think that maybe whoever was there before had obviously done something to cause that and then they thought, we don't want to live here no more <laughs> because be, it's, be. it's all a bit bonkers. It's interesting that that one room was completely not furnished or anything. I mean, it's 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 plausible that they just didn't use that room, so they didn't bother with it. You know, the, whoever lived there before just thought, oh, we'll just leave it, but... It sound, it, it's odd that that was the room and it was completely empty. And then the first manifestation of this phenomena was the sound of something going off in that room above them. Yeah. Like to me, it sounded like the house was abandoned. And when they went there first, it was quiet. Yeah. And then when they came back, their, height, their senses were probably heightened. So they were already kind of weirded out because the house was completely abandoned, but it looked like people had left in a hurry because it was all laid out for Christmas, you know, Christmas crackers out on the table. So they were already like, what the hell's going on here? So they're probably generating some kind of energy in them, you know, some kind of something that if there is a presence there, it could possibly feed off, gather some energy. And then it, like I say, it sounds almost like it manifests in the, in the room above the house, above the heads. And that happens to be the abandoned room. So it sounds like there's something weird going on in that room itself. And, you know, from all the weird haunting cases I've read, it sounds like things start out small, like, say, in one room, and they gather energy, usually drawing on the people that are there. So it sounds like that was what happened. It gathered energy, made its way down closer to them until it was in the room with them and just sending things flying around the room. You know, that was probably when it was at, at its peak. Yeah. I always find these kind of cases uh, interesting. I mean, I think Phil and his friend Jimmy, they, they left, you know, they went back, I think it was to back to his apartment in I think yeah. it was Glasgow. And um, afterwards, Phil says that for a long time afterwards, uh, he slept with the light on. He, he affected him that much psychologically. It affected him that much, and also yeah. he always felt for for a good few months afterwards that he was he always felt like he was being followed. So that's like a classic kind of attachment, isn't it? Yeah. Or it may, I mean, it might, like I say, with it manifesting in a certain room, it, it might not be that. It might be that it's a a haunting that was all would 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 always be attached to to him in particular. You know what I mean? Because yeah. especially with poltergeist cases, they say they they manifest from a from a person from a single person most of the time, doesn't it? It's like, um, you know, I've heard of cases where people move from one place to the other, but the the haunting follows them, and it's almost like one single person is actually manifesting these things. Uh. It's not it's not the place which, which is haunted. I mean, I don't know. It's it, it's it's the, all these things are unprovable. But you know, if it is something that's manifesting from him, then it would make sense that when he moves back to another place, he starts to feel like it's still there with him. I love these kind of stories because there is a person still around who can who experienced it, who can recount it, and of course, he's obviously told it over the years. I mean, he must be in his sixties or seventies now. Yeah. Um, there is a side of people 
who say uh, maybe there was a little bit more going on in that area. The building now, just to bring people up to date, is still a place where walkers go and they still camp around that area, but they do camp because the building itself, unfortunately, fell into ruin. Uh, before that, when it did um, uh, you know, fall into sort of dereliction, people were still able to go inside and visit it. And there was lots of graffiti uh, in those in the building where campers had tried to stay in the building overnight when it was derelict and they'd experienced weird stuff weird phenomenon or been scared away there were things drawn on the wall like you know this house is haunted this house is evil don't camp here don't sleep here yeah um so other people yeah. had obviously been in there and had experiences whatever that might have been and yeah. been scared away there is one interesting thing there is a tree by the front door which is bent over like an arch mm. now you could say, oh, well, it's just a, a rogue branch or it's a broken tree, but it's actually bent over. And this was a thing that they used to do in the olden days to ward away witches and evil, you know, or evil presences. They would build this kind of arch from a tree. Had to be a particular kind of tree, but um, it, it was just a thing they did. So I'm thinking to myself, obviously people were more uh, superstitious back then. It, there was reason for doing these things, but I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what the history was of that place and what might have gone on there. And of course, we've got the other side of it where the building is next to quite a large uh, stream of running water. And mm. usually with paranormal phenomenon, where you find running water and things like that, you normally get phenomenon. Uh, not always, not always, but there is, there is a connection. You know, with the two are connected. So I'm wondering uh, whether... There are all these things make up, like you said, maybe the two walkers or maybe Phil or them together took something and was able to manifest that in a way that they weren't conscious of doing it. But the environment gave it the ability to manifest through them or yeah. like other people have experienced these buildings because they're quite old and they have a lot of history from lots of people going in them. Because obviously, you know, there's lots of people pass through those areas over the years uh, that stuff goes on and people leave behind a little bit of themselves. And at yeah. a certain point, maybe it manifests in a way, good or bad. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, especially when you're talking about these old buildings. Um I mean, if it was a lodge, then does that mean that people were sort of coming and going? There wasn't like a family living there or does it mean that like... Uh, I think it was, well, I think what we could, oh, I don't know the full history of the building, but if it yeah. were a hunting lodge, it would be the kind of place where people would go and stay for like a, a short break. Okay. You know? Yeah, because I mean, my theory, because there's a lot of tales of haunted bothies in there are, Scotland. Yeah. And my theory is why you get these hauntings in old spots like this is because it's kind of like people... I suppose people would imprint themselves much more on onto a single property back in the day than they do nowadays. Like you'd have a whole family living there and growing up and then their children probably, you know, living in the same house for decades on end. So, you know, the, just the energy of people is just much more imprinted on a single property than somewhere else. And, uh, you know, nowadays, like I say, I'm moving from a, house at the moment and people just generally move around they don't have as much of an attachment to a single place so i don't know i don't know about the louis belt lodge if it if it was the case that people would just sort of come in and go in and maybe that theory doesn't stack up but uh that's that's what i was always really like hearing about the story of the place that's kind of what came into my head i think we also have to take into consideration the land and uh people back back in those days were very much connected with the land. They worked the land yeah. because that was their life. That was their livelihood. And it was a very tough life, very hard life. I mean, anyone that can, that lives out in a, a, a remote place like that, no matter where in the world it might be and, and has to live off the land is they've got a tough life because they have to, they can't wake up one day and go, you know, I can't be bothered. To, I'm going to lay in bed today. I can't be asked. They got to get yeah. up and they got to, you know, they got to, walk the sheep or whatever they've got to do they've got to uh, plow the field or whatever they they you know it's a very hard living and i can imagine in places like the highlands and that that the it's it's difficult to to grow stuff not because uh, there's no there's not enough water or whatever or there's not no soil it's just that the, the weather the the 
the weather is very um uh it's it's very harsh you know it's very it's a very mm. harsh place so i i'm wondering whether uh that like you said about imprinting uh i also thought that as well where you would have a group of people but you say people living in a small cottage you might put, put it this way you're in a small cottage uh and you're um you're eight people you're 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 you've got your your parents and then you've got your wife and husband and you've got your four or five kids all living in this space mm -hmm. and it's going to be stressful no one's got any no one no one can have any time for themselves everybody's in everybody's pockets uh you know if if one person has an argument that permeates through the whole building and it, it can be stressful and then of course you've got the added stress of having to make a living and making sure that you've got enough eggs for your breakfast or whatever or enough pigs or the pigs don't run away or the you know the pig the sheep don't get stolen so it's going to be difficult and it's going to be stressful and it, as you say about about imprinting i think it you know they do leave something behind and like in our day and age you know we've got it easy we just we don't really have we don't imprint in the same way we don't it's you know we we live somewhere and it becomes our home but unless there's something traumatic there it's less likely as mm -hmm. where back in those days it, every day was kind of filled with trauma so i'm wondering um yeah maybe some of these uh boffies that have stuff going on because there are other ones out there where people have stayed in these boffies and heard uh strange things going on there's a, there's a case where one individual uh who did a walk and he stayed in apparently scotland's smallest boffy it's like a little it's just basically a room a door a room there's a little fire where you can burn some wood and a and there's some a, a platform above where you can put your sleeping mat and have a little sleep well Mm. He, he stayed in there overnight and he was the only one in there. He, he'd had his food and that and he went up to the top bit to have a sleep and he'd left his, all his bits and bobs downstairs thinking, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. The likelihood of someone else coming in the middle of the night is not likely. Uh, so I'm going to leave all my stuff down there. And he was woken up early in the morning and he could hear something downstairs moving around, like yeah. moving it, the, his stuff around and uh, it moved the food and stuff that he'd left out. And he thought to himself... Well, it's one of two things. It's like a little mouse collecting some food or whatever, or there's, there's someone down there and he's there trying to steal my bits. But he mm. was like, he didn't know, you know, he just stayed where he was. When he woke up in the morning, climbed down to the thing, uh, to the area where, the living area, all his stuff was still there. None of it was, none of it had been touched or anything. The door was still closed. It was all latched up. Because uh, that's another thing. He didn't hear the door unlatch. You know, yeah. he didn't hear anyone come in. He thought, well, obviously it was like a little mouse or something that had come in and looking for food. So he thought that obviously there's going to be some evidence. Some of these packets of food, you know, these energy bars and stuff are going to be eaten. Nothing was touched. And so that's completely baffling. What 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 was that? And I know it could have been a little mouse having a walk around. It could have been. It could have been the fire uh, cooling down. And we, you know, we could go into the point where these two individuals, Phil and uh, Jimmy, were so exhausted from their hike up a mountain that when they came back, uh, they they were so tired that they imagined it all. Now, I, I think that's unlikely because there's only so much you can really imagine and hallucinate, you know, to hear things walking around upstairs and have it walk downstairs and then have all this chaos in a room uh, that you yeah. feel that you need to leave. What's your feelings on that? I mean, I, I think it's unlikely. Well, yeah, I mean, if it was just sounds, I feel like, because these places are so dark, they're just, it's just, at night, it's just pitch black. Like, the, you know, it's it's there's no ambient light from anything in the area so it's just completely pitch black so you can imagine a situation where you're a bit weirded out you're in a unusual place and you'll hear a noise and your brain will amplify it massively so it could be a mouse or a rat bumping around in one of the rooms in between the floorboards or something and it sounds like someone walking around i i, I can totally believe that so if it was just a story of someone hearing a bit of knocking and walking around you know, I, I do. I do think sometimes it could just be, like I said, a brain amplifying noises. But when you're talking about things flying around the room in front of your eyes, then that's 
that's a bit harder to explain really you know i don't i don't know what's going on there yeah i've heard i've heard a few cases of people uh, i've read two separate stories from two separate bothies where people have been staying there it's in the middle of nowhere there's there's no one around and then they they hear someone coming walking up towards the bothy they'll hear like footsteps outside they'll look out the window no no one there and then the door will be locked from the outside. Like they'll hear the they'll hear the uh, the latch or whatever it is. Like the, I think it's like a little um, like a, it's, it's like a steel beam that goes down that locks the doors from the outside. Yeah, yeah. They'll hear they'll hear someone putting that down and locking the door, but there'll be no one out there. And they'll try the door and it'll be locked. And they've they've got to like climb out a window to get out the building. I've I've read two different stories from two different bothies where that that sort of situation happens. So, I mean, that's not a mouse walking around, is it? There's a there's one story where uh, a group of individuals uh, arrived at a, a bothy and they were making some food. It was in the daytime and they saw mm -hmm. an individual dressed in, which made him look a bit weird because when they saw him, he looked like he was a, a sheep herder or somebody who worked the land, but he was dressed in old, old worldy clothes, like old fashioned clothes like they would wear a yeah. hundred years ago. And he kept, they watched him walk down off the hill and walk towards the bothy. And they thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't be here. Maybe he's going to come and say, you shouldn't be here or uh, whatever, or stay away from my sheep or whatever. And uh, they watched him walk up to the, the edge of the uh, the fence, the gated area. And then he vanished. He was gone. Mm. And and this is like open land. This is like they can see for miles. Literally, you can see for miles. All around in all directions. And they there was no one there. And yet they could clearly yeah. see an individual and this this has happened not just in one place other people have witnessed this as well so yeah, yeah i mean it, definitely there's weird stuff that goes on in these places and uh i i go back to um my thought process where it's the land it's the environment that is in some mm -hmm. way charging or giving energy to these manifestations and i think that we are part of uh that key where yeah we are a receptor in a way we're like a receiver an aerial and as if all of the other components are in place we are able to tune in and either see something that's happened previously or connect with something where we can you know see something of the past or whatever i think there is a possibility for that but as i say it's yeah. all speculation i there's no real proof but there's a lot of people out there that go on these walking trips and and do hikes and stuff and they they experience weird stuff we're coming to the end of this episode now i wanted to get your your final thoughts on what what do you think of i mean because phil phil did go back years later he went back um and obviously the place is a ruin now and uh he didn't have well he well something did happen something some something fell down but i think that is basically because the building was quite old and it's a ruin there's no roof on it anymore it's just four walls yeah uh and he and he nothing really apart from that happened to him he said he'd feel a bit weird going back but obviously you would feel a bit weird um what what are your final thoughts on this? Do you, do you, I think that they, I mean, personally, I think the guys, they did experience something. I don't know what it is they experienced, but I think they did experience something. But yeah, he goes back a few times, doesn't he? And it sounds like, it sounds like over time, the phenomena sort of fades away. It gets less and less, yeah. you know, he starts to experience like slightly less. And then, and then the one time he goes back and it's completely abandoned and the the roof's all caved in and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's, he sounds genuine from listening to him. I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit at the beginning, as he was telling the story, the part where he's in the room and things are flying around all yeah. over the place. To me, that sounded too cinematic almost yeah. like I, I I kind of thought uh, it's a bit, it's because I, I always think when people are telling ghost stories, a lot of time, if they're fake, they go really over the top with the trying to make them scary and, <clears throat> you know, things flying around the room over your heads, you know, knives and hammers and things and, you know, being scared for your life. It sounded a bit too over the top for me. But as it goes into a story more, it's, um, it's the fact that, 
it sort of diminishes. He goes back again, and like not much happens, yeah. you know, and or maybe just like a little thing happens, but nothing really too interesting, you know. He, I feel like if he was really making it up, he would he would keep the story going. He wouldn't just sort of have it peter out and get less interesting over time, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, but it, I mean, it goes it, the fact that like there was graffiti at the house sort of sounds like other people experienced things. So it goes against my idea that it might have been attached to him solely as a person. It sounds like it was there at the house and other people went there and I don't know. Well, maybe uh, it could be, as, as I uh, touched on earlier, it could be that certain, certain individuals who go there, if they're wired the right way, they could experience similar to what Phil and his friend yeah. uh, experienced, uh, you know, Possibly. But had he told her story at any other point? Because the only source I can find really is that, like, is that podcast, the BBC uh, podcast. Well, I originally had he, like told it before. Yeah. Well, I originally learned of uh, Phil McNeil's story from a walking forum, uh, which yeah. is like a where you know walkers go and tell their stories. And uh, I think he posted on the forum and to tell his story about what he experienced because they were having a they were having just a general conversation about. Uh, bothies and and weirdness mm. and he posted uh his story or, or part of his story uh and he also mentioned that he'd been interviewed for yeah uh, that that podcast the uncanny podcast but it wasn't like because what i was thinking was with the graffiti had he gone there and his story had somehow got out and then it got a reputation for being haunted based on his tale and then some, someone had gone there and, you know, some yeah. kids had gone and graffitied the place because of the story. But it, from what it sounds like, his, his, him telling a story is quite a recent thing if he's doing it on forums and things and talking about being on the podcast. So there, it couldn't have been that he, his story went out there and then, and then that's why it got a reputation for being yeah. haunted. Well, there are other individuals who have stayed uh, at that location yeah. Um, camped at that location you obviously they can't stay in the building and have experienced unsettling feelings of not being welcome um, I'm I'm wondering whether it's not necessarily the building that is uh, attracting the phenomenon but the whole area uh, that is maybe has that phenomenon as I say water and uh, the environment I don't know I mean it's really hard I mean if you put it this way the the place that they stayed uh the night before uh before you know on the second day they went to the the boffy but on the night before they went to a let me have a quick look i think it was um uh yeah kinnock leven right uh there was a massacre there in the a long time ago by the british soldiers mm. on some of the people that lived there and uh that is said to be a haunted area now they stayed there the night before, on their way to uh, you know the the area that they wanted to go. So yeah, th there's a lot of stuff that's gone on in that region in the year in the years that have gone on previous. Uh, so I'm thinking that we don't know what happened in that area. Something might have happened there in the distant past where the whole area is affected, and mm. maybe what they're hearing. People, you know something walking around stomping about and coming down the stairs and all that maybe that is a maybe that isn't actually a a ghost with clogs on but that's a manifestation or an interpretation of our minds uh tuning into something and that's the way that we understand it what is interesting is that both of them heard the same thing so whatever it yeah. was yeah. that was happening at that time that they were both processing as somebody stomping around and, and, and what you said before about it, the move, the, the running water, and that association with the paranormal. Yeah. One, one of the times, don't they hear like it was almost as if it sounds like someone dragging a bag of gravel from the water up towards. Oh the yeah, cottage. yeah, I forgot to mention that. That's right. He, yeah, so that's, that's like one of, one of the times they go back, and that's they that's drag they it to the it. house, and they and they hear it being dragged away as well, didn't they? It, yeah, uh, but there's nothing outside. No. It's, it's, but it sounds like a massive bag of gravel being dragged along the ground. That's from, right. from the river towards the house, and that yeah, that would tell you uh, that that something is you know something's being possibly replayed from the past. And that something happened mm. there. Something, 
whatever it might have been who knows i mean back in those days things weren't really documented you know uh and, yeah. unless you told someone what would that be that you know what could that possibly be a body yeah could be. Could be. i mean could it not be like something more elemental maybe not not a physical bag of gravel being moved but something you know yeah. of the earth something of the earth some kind of elemental nature spirit in the area something to do with the rocks and the water and it's sort of dragging itself towards the house it's, creepy. it's, it's really really weird so i'm going to ask you right if there was a, a haunted boffy right up on the hill mm. like 20 you had to walk 20 miles to get there and all you could have was what was on your back would you <laughs> would you and, and then people everyone else has been there has had weird stuff would you stay there yeah i'd go for it and you'd have to stay. there's a few there's a few places i want to visit like, you have I've to stay there all night you can't leave i'll lock you in I, I i doubt i would experience anything staying somewhere like that apart from maybe noises but like i say i would probably assume it was like things being amplified in my head i i, I think i would stay there yeah i'd, I'd be interested too one of the scariest uh, things like i think you could experience is being in somewhere like that right and hearing someone outside walking around and knowing that, yeah. that knowing that that boffy door is open yeah that's creepy oh, one of <laughs> One of the one of the scariest ones I really want to go there. Ones the scariest ones I've heard is I don't know if it was a bothy, but it's a, like an abandoned cottage in Scotland. Yeah, I think it's Sand Sandwood Bay, somewhere like that. Apparently, there, it was a place where there was loads of shipwrecks in the past. Okay, yeah. There's an abandoned cottage there, and apparently, people who have camped within the cottage, or even when people who stayed there when it was still quite built up. They would hear a knock on the window and they would look and there'd be a sailor looking in through the window at them. And apparently back in the day when people actually lived in the cottage, they reported a haunting where they would they would go down to the beach to collect, gather driftwood. Yeah. And they would see the apparition of an old sailor. He looked like a captain. They said he had like brass buttons and a hat on and he would come up and say, that's mine. You know, like the driftwood as if it was like part of his ship. And then he would disappear off into the fog and vanish. But apparently the, the ruins of the cottage are still there. I'd love to go and find it and stay there. But yeah, I, I think I'd be terrified, but I, I would, I would like to try. Yeah. It sounds pretty terrifying, especially if, uh, uh, somebody was like knocking, looking at me through the window and he yeah, looked like, Oh, that would be a bit creepy. But yeah, yeah, I love all those kind of stories where that that kind of law where you you, you don't know you, don't, you 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 know you just have to go and see if you experience something. I think my my main worry about going to a place like that is I'm not like you know I'm not an experienced walker. So if it's really out in the remote wilderness, I'd be more afraid of coming to. I watch a lot of videos of people going missing in the wilderness yeah. and dying. And <laughs> I think that I think that'd be more likely that. I'd be scared of that, like getting getting killed from my own misfortune rather than a ghost. Yeah, it's, I think something did definitely happen there. There you have it. Another another head scratching episode. And I'm wondering uh, if any of the listeners have got any feedback. Do make sure you you uh, uh, add it in the comments because uh, I do find this fascinating. And uh, maybe we'll touch on another episode of a. Uh, um, some of these boffies uh, around around the country uh, uh, in, a, in a later episode because they are they are fascinating. But um, anyway, Tom, uh, w what are you going to be up to? How's your gaming going and stuff? Gaming's going all right. Yeah, just uh, same things. Streaming on Twitch, doing a bit of gaming on YouTube. Got I got a new video almost ready for the main channel, which is a very unusual. Um, Possibly oh. an alien encounter, something that happened in the 70s oh. in Argentina, which I found. It's got th three separate witnesses saw pretty much the same thing, but it's it's such a bizarre case that uh, I, I, don't, I still don't know what to make, make of it, but I've dug a little way into in the it tree, is it? Video, so. Watching football. Oh, that was in, where was that? Uh, that, that was in, <laughs> that was in uh, Mexico, wasn't it? I don't know. I can't remember now. <laughs> monkey oh, yeah, tree. that monkey. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's just like a—I don't know what to describe it. It's almost like a—it's like an eight-foot-tall robot man. Okay, with yeah. Pointed ears. It looks like Batman almost. It's a weird case. Yeah, I've just finished a video on that case, and uh, that should be out. It's probably be out before this podcast Excellent. goes up. So you know, 
if anyone wants to see it come check it out thanks everybody for listening um uh, remember to give uh, a like and a share wherever you're able to whatever podcast uh, host you might be listening to it on uh, or if uh, you're in listen to this episode on youtube give us a, a thumbs up and um a, maybe a subscribe if you're not a subscriber it's actually quite surprising how many people listen to episodes that aren't actually subscribed so you know hit the subscribe button because it all, all helps and it's free it don't cost nothing uh and until um uh, next time remember to check out tom's uh videos as well because he does some um, some really uh out there quality stuff quality uh content um thanks for listening and thanks for joining me tom on this episode no worries and uh until next time catch you soon mm-hmm.